Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Are you a lifelong fan of General Hospital? Are you a new fan who wants to know more about the history of the show? Do you enjoy talking about the show with others? Do you find yourself yelling at the TV? Is your self-care an hour a day in Port Charles? If so, we invite you to join hosts Amanda Kimmel and Shannon Coach at the place where all the hidden conversations take place and secrets are revealed. Meet us at Pier 54, a General Hospital fan podcast. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the Poor Charles 411 Part 11. I'm sorry. 11. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you all for sticking with us. And I'm sorry because I did not realize our original... <laughs> layout it was like was, a month right i think it was a month it was starting in september when did we start i have no idea i think we started like the last week in september and then we were planning on wrapping up at the end of october oops yeah i feel like we're just gonna keep saying this every week though mm-hmm. so this week we are going to be finishing the drug story storyline the drug addiction storyline right and then hopefully we'll be moving hopefully yes we're definitely moving along we're going to be moving along i think that after we're done with this october 7th was the first one that we released so i think after this that we should do some fan spotlights yes so if you're interested in being on the show we already have a whole bunch of submissions but if you're interested go to our website peer54podcast.com there's a submission form for being a guest on the show. We would love to talk to you about your general hospital story and we'll go from there. Can I say, unless your favorite char- character is Alan, because I don't think I can talk about him anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry, but oh my gosh. So good. It is so good and it's all very interesting, but yes. Wow. So last week we left off where Monica agrees to work with Taggart to, you know, potentially help Alan is the goal that she thinks they're both on the same page for 
Taggart wants to get some dirt on Justice Ward, who is somebody that we could totally go down oh. a rabbit hole with and loved, but we're not going to. We could take the next six months and do the Ward family. Oh my gosh. But and why they need to come back? Right. Uh -huh. So in August at the Quartermain house, Edward was outlining the evening plans for his and Lila's anniversary dinner. Oh, Did you watch the no. anniversary? Oh, it's so good. And threatened to nail any chemical induced craziness that might be a wreck the evening. Cause Alan was still, Alan stood up and rationalized. I have pain. But Edward was in no mood. He was like, no, no, no. You are not ruining your mother's night. Right. Monica was on the phone with Taggart, calling from the PC Plaza restaurant where she oversaw the party preparations. She asked him to relax on the justice front. Toadie came in and was hassling her to get his old job back. And when he tried to use his knowledge of Alan's little problem for leverage, Monica told him that it wouldn't be wise to spread untruths. And then Tony reminds her that he treated Alan as he OD'd. And Monica was like, um, yeah, you did not do us any favors that night. Thanks. Back at the house, Ned returned with Emily because she was overseas, you know, doing the, she oversees regardless. She was off doing her photo shoot and everything. I thought that AJ was going with her. Why did Ned return with her? Maybe this was a second photo shoot, whatever. I don't know, because weren't they mad that Ned had let the scandalous photos be taken of right. her? So why was he getting to go again? I don't know. Okay. Um, she was wearing a little bit of a skin-tight dress, and she was thrilled that most of the quartermains were supportive of her new career. However, Edward was not. Alan tried to sneak out and ordered Reggie to drive him to the plaza. He ended up at a hotel with decidedly lower rent and paid a month in advance. The hotel owner explained the room's previous occupant left a number of books and she'd be happy to clear everything away. Alan told her not to bother. And when he looked around and started looking at the books, they all had titles like chemical dependency and you and seeing a narcotics, narcotics anonymous pamphlet. Alan reached for the phone, punched one up and said, I have a problem. Wow. A short while later, a drugger appeared at his door. So he was not calling narcotics anonymous. As party time approached, Monica and then Bobby approached Tony and attempted to boot him from the room because this was not the night for this. It's not the night for blackmail. It's the night for love. <laughs> when he resisted their efforts, they implored him not to wreck the evening on Lila's big night. Aww. Monica called Edward about the news with Tony crashing the party and that Alan hadn't arrived yet. Edward ran off shouting for Reginald and they all arrived at the banquet room and Tony approached trying to suck up to Lila. He wished her like, happy anniversary, and she just tells him to send an email. <laughs> Ned and Monica confer over Alan's AWOL status. AJ proposes a toast, which spreads around the room until Alan comes in and picks it up. Edward announces that he has booked the honeymoon suite and he's booked a vacation in Lake Placid. Next, they were treated to a beautiful tribute to Lila. Edward saying, I've grown accustomed to her face. Aww. And this entire montage just like showed Lila over years. It was, it was beautiful. Did you cry? I didn't cry, Good but though. it was still beautiful. And afterwards, Monica expressed gratitude to Alan for showing up and behaving, hugging him. And she sparted the narcotics anonymous booklet in his jacket and everyone assumed he was going for help and he did not correct them. Of course not. You know, why would you want to do that? And then Alan was carrying his pills in a glasses case and he starts taking them. Monica comes in because she thinks that he's joined Narcotics Anonymous. And he thinks 
that the worst of his drug withdrawal is over, and he denies that he was ever a, quote, crazed junkie. Then she brings up the nurse's ball and his overdose, which Tony had told her about. And he claims that he was isolated. It was an isolated event after the nurse's ball, and Monica feels guilty. And, you know, she's having, like, a whole lot of guilty feelings about, could I have done anything differently? You know, I'm a doctor. I should have been able to see things like this, all that. Well, then Taggart comes in after Alan leaves and starts to threaten Monica. Monica says, you know what? He's taking the right steps. We're going to make sure that, you know, he stays or continues on his path to sobriety, everything. Well, Taggart comes in and is asking for her to find papers from Justice's office. And she's like, what kind of papers? He's like, you know, papers. And she's (laughs) like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what do you want me to find? I'll have like two seconds because... Tagger tells her, ask for a glass of water. She's like, okay, and what am I looking for? Mm-hmm. And so she grabs some and gives them to Tagger. And he takes them. And he's like, what the heck? These are real estate transactions. And Taggart's like, all right, so I'm going to go pick up Alan now. It still did not make sense. Like, I watched all of this in great detail. And it's like, Taggart's asking for stuff. And she's like, okay, I'm offering to help you. You need to tell me what you want. I don't know how she expected him, how he expected her to know what was shady dealings and what wasn't. Right. What she handed him was real estate transactions, but they were all on the up and up. So he wasn't happy with that. Right. But you didn't say, look for the Jones case, look for the Smith case or something like that. It's just bring me papers. Right. Well, and she has this whole cover that she's talked to justice because she wants to open up a trust for Michael, but she doesn't want... Jason to really know about it and Carly's in Shady Brook at the mm-hmm. time. So she wants to make sure that Carly can't get a hold of it, the money, all that. So here's the thing is that Monica working with Tagger during this is a very, very, very important part of Alan's storyline. However, it's also a very detailed. Right. So I'm going to do my best to surmise and just touch on the fact that basically over the next few weeks, Tagger continues to try to get information out of Monica. Monica is trying to kind of help. She does wear like a wire at Justice's, or no, she doesn't wear a wire. She puts a cassette recorder in her purse (laughs) and it clicks off. Oh no. Yes. That's funny. And Tagger just basically keeps saying that, because he's also talking to Alan's drug dealer. And Monica calls him a blackmailer. And there was, so last week we said about how he wasn't a dirty cop. And he's not necessarily, like, we said he has gray areas. Uh, Dirty cops, he wasn't looking to plant anything. He was just looking to get the information he needed in a not right way. Exactly. He wasn't stealing evidence. He wasn't going to go planting pills like he wasn't going to go planting okay, evidence, but or he also like wasn't getting a warrant because he had no cause. Right. right, he wasn't even asking the questions himself. He was sending someone else that Justice trusted into Justice's house to go ahead and get paperwork. Yes. So is that dirty? I feel like it's dishonest. What's what's a word between clean and dirty? Because that's where he falls. Smudged. There you go. <laughs> He's a smudged. He's cop. a smudged cop. <laughs> Um, so then Monica actually kind of reached out to Mac and told Mac of Alan's addictions and Taggart's blackmail. And Mac assured her that he will talk to Taggart and Monica leaves. 
So then Taggart's in Mac's office. Monica goes in and he he just kept reminding her, like, everything that's at stake if you don't help me. Mm-hmm. Um, Monica then also sees Jason and says that she's worried about Alan. Jason asks if he ODs. But then she's like, no, Taggart's threatening me. And Jason informs Monica that the protection for him to help protect Alan has to kick the pills. Right. And Monica believes that Alan did start the 12 step program. And she also mentioned about how she's concerned about Emily. Jason says that Emily can live with him. And then there was like another party that Alan didn't show up to. I think this was actually Alan and Monica's anniversary party because Emily got them a photograph of uh, Michael. And yes, AJ starts to make some phone calls seeing if he had been admitted to any hospitals or anything. And they did get a description of a man, tall, over six feet, 50-ish, dark hair. AJ said he's going to go see if it's Alan. And then Alan actually winds up walking in. He sees the gift. And he tells them that he's late because he got so caught up at the Narcotics Anonymous party meeting. And he was gushing on about his family and that there wasn't a dry eye in the room when he was done. Meanwhile, he had just popped pills before he walked into the office. Yes. And it's just, he just, yeah. <laughs> it's just him lying about his recovery more and right. and trying to keep everyone at arm's length so he doesn't get caught. Yes. And then Tagger continues to threaten Monica that if he doesn't help get the information on justice. Oh, and then this is, I'm sorry. This is where he says that he has to get the wire and justice winds up admitting to something that has nothing to do with this storyline, but it was so good. And it was an accident because that's not what justice, that's not what Taggart was trying to get on justice, but Mm -hmm. it sure helped. And so we're not going to get into all of that. Right. It's hard to stick with just Alan with these other storylines, though, because this were the good, good 90s storylines. Oh, and then later on in August, there was another car bombing and Edward suddenly had a case of give me Michaelitis, which is when they were trying to sue for custody of Michael again. Right. Alan barely knows what's going on during most of the discussion, and Monica took it to be withdrawal. And I guess that's the more difficult part of addiction mm-hmm. recovery is finding that balance, I guess, like determining which is withdrawal and which is the possibility that they're still stoned. Right. I've actually never seen someone go through recovery, mm-hmm. but I've seen people go through addiction. Right. I wish I got to see them go through with recovery. That would be awesome. We should start doing a count of how many times there's been a car bomb that's gone. Yes. Yes. Because you're like, another car bombing. It can happen every day. And then, you know, Monica just reminds Alan that how important his recovery is to her and the family. And I think it was Emily intercepted the paperwork that Al- that Edward was trying to get Michael and let Jason know. Mm. And so Justice was like, yeah, no, you do not get to take this baby. Right. And then Monica actually tries to take a step back from all of her duties. Cause I mean, she's, she's still the chief of staff and everything at the hospital. And she, you know, tries to confine a little bit in AJ and AJ just reminds her about how lucky Alan is to have her. They talk about the car explosion and it was all over the front page paper too. And I guess, I think it was Alan and Edward were both mad. They're like, how come we had to find out on the front page that, Jason was involved in a car bombing, Mm -hmm. you know, and AJ says that he's going to talk to Edward about 
backing off of the Michael issue. He said that it's the best course of action is to take a step back and try to earn Jason's trust. So if something does happen, Michael will have the Quartermains to turn to. Monica agrees with the assessment and it just goes on to talk more about oh, no trying to get listening to AJ. <laughs> no one's listening to AJ. He's trying to. For once, he was being correct. Let's yeah. talk to Jason and figure this out. And they were all, let's go through the courts. Yep. I just feel like the next couple weeks is a lot of. Taggart being smudged. Yes. And she never turned in that tape to Taggart. But then I think he stopped by to find out the information. And so he actually just grabs her purse and starts to get like to take away the tape recorder. And he said, now you don't have to worry about Alan getting turned in anymore. No one will go to jail unless they broke the law. And no one will know where the information came from unless she talks. Oh, because Justice was drunk when he confided mm -hmm. in Monica about this thing. Right. <laughs> this thing. This thing. This, this little thing. thing that happened. Meanwhile, all this stuff's going on with Taggart and Monica. And Monica is trying desperately to save Alan. And Alan is at his hotel room. Hotel room. Yes. Little. I don't even. It was a motel. It was not really a hotel. <laughs> and I can't remember. Oh, we already talked about the fact that he met her. He mm -hmm. met Tammy before. Right. And so he had used the pseudonym Roy, wherever that came from. And he tells her that he thinks things are better now because he's weaning off the drugs. And she says, okay, if he wants to test it out. And he says he does. But first he wants her to dance for him. And so she starts dancing for him. He looks happy. Later, though. We see him lying on the bed and her leaving. She says it's okay that it didn't happen because eventually when they do, it'll be amazing. And then she offers to help him pick out wallpaper or go for a sandwich. He thanks her for being so kind. And later when he gets home, Monica is there and hints that he knows they slept on the couch. And he feigns surprise and said that he did. And she tells him that Annabelle was licking his hand. And so if you're watching the show now, this is the first Annabelle, not <laughs> Annabelle the second. There's a reason why Annabelle the second has the second after her name. Yeah. And she says that if a dog could love him through all of this, so sh could she. And they hug. Not totally going to agree with that. No, especially because she does not know that he was at the hotel trying to hook up with Tammy the hooker. And the right. only reason it didn't happen was because his pill addiction made it so that he could not follow through with that conversation. But meanwhile, he's taking care of all that. She's still going and, you know, trying to convince Taggart not to continue going after her family. And that's kind of really where August ends. Right. Okay, so in September, Tiger goes to Monica and tells her that the family is in the clear. She goes ahead and tells Jason that they're in the clear and so not to worry about it. But he remains skeptical because she doesn't have the information on why suddenly they're in the clear. Or Taggart just is like, no, it's fine. I don't want to discuss it with you, but everything's good. Right. And then Monica wants to go to one of the meetings with Alan and he tells her he doesn't want to subject her to that, which is really just lying because he's not going to them and can you bring because it's can you bring someone with you to i don't know i know there's a recovery there's al-anon right for, for the family but i don't right i don't know in one way i would think so so you have a support person but at the same time then they're hearing other people's stories that they're not like in the and would that help or 
would that make the other person, the other people in the meeting uncomfortable? Not, right. right. And how true are you speaking if your spouse is right next That's to you? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I would feel it would that... be more of a cover up. But in this storyline, apparently it was an option, but he said, no, you cannot go. And so then um, after she leaves, he makes a call to inquire if his prescription has come in. And the drug dealer tells him he might want to be cautious with these because they're still being tested on rats. And he says, that's okay. I want them. And then calls Tammy and asks if she's busy tonight. And then tells her that he wants her to dance for him again. And she does do a little strip tease. And they lay back on the bed and begin kissing. And then he grabs his chest and has trouble breathing. And she panics and yells at him, asking what's wrong. <laughs> like, he's going to... She was not yelling at him. She was yelling, like, oh, my gosh, Roy, are you okay? Like, right. It was pan. It was panicky. It was panicking. But, but, but yes, yeah, <laughs> saying yells at him does not sound Why correct. are you grabbing your chest when we're trying to hug up? Right. Alan is gasping for air and Tammy... Tammy frantically tries to revive him. She grabs the phone, but Alan chokes. No, he can't go to GH. Where then? Tammy screams, and Alan gives her the name of the clinic where Tony works. He arrives there off camera, and Tony steps up to examine the patient, asking the nurse questions. Then he looks up and sees Tammy, and then ensues a quick little comic scene with Tammy, because she doesn't know that it's Alan, not Roy, and all of that. So then, um, well, and they all, did you watch this? No, go ahead. Okay. So Tony had also been a companion of Tammy's. Yes. Except for he used the name Garth. And so Tammy looks up and sees Tony and goes, Garth. And Alan sees him and is like, Tony. And Tony looks down and Tammy looked questioning like why do you know him and she's like roy you know and then tony looks and goes alan <laughs> and so it was kind of a oh so we both are doing the same thing here with the same lady and Ew, she doesn't know either one of our real names or what we really do so so how many lovers she, has alan and tony shared Oh, well, he didn't sleep with Bobby. He didn't sleep with Bobby, but still they were like, they kissed trying to get there. And now we have Tammy. Did Tony ever hook up with Monica? No, I don't think so. No, no. Hmm. So just the two because Alan never hooked up with Carly. So we're okay there. All right. So I guess it was just, just one. Well, one in one in a, an attempt. One, one in a kiss. One in an attempt. Yes, but. All right, but continue. So that's basically what the whole thing was that it, it was just, it was a really funny scene to watch because Tony and, <laughs> because Tony and Alan realized that they both knew Tammy. There you go. After cross-examining Tammy as to all of Alan's symptoms, Tony contemptuously diagnoses Alan's problem as a panic attack brought on by sexual nervousness after too much chemical ingestion complicated by the Viagra. Oh, oh, did we talk about this? Uh... Viagra came out in 1998. Oh, I did not know that. Yep. So the fact that Alan was calling for an erectile dysfunction drug, and it was like, actually a new thing. Okay. Yeah, I had to look that up. Of course you did. What else is Google for? He issues a... Sar- My Google. <laughs> You're going to go to jail someday for your Google. <laughs> he issues a 
sarcastic diatribe against Alan, mentioning the drug addiction in no uncertain terms as Tammy looks on concerned. Well, I don't know why she's concerned because she knew he was on drugs. Anyway, after Tony finishes his lecture, both look expectantly at Alan, who has said not a word. Finally, Alan looks at Tony and asks accusingly, and exactly how do you two know each other? It's really a funny twist. And you went on about them going on about the fact that they knew each other in Mm -hmm. other ways. Um, Okay, so then the end of September, um, AJ tells everyone that Jason and Michael have disappeared and Alan panics and starts blaming AJ like he does in one of his crazy rages about how the accident was all his fault and that none of this would have been happening if it wasn't for AJ driving that day, blah, blah, blah. And then Monica calls Mac and he tells them that no, actually Jason retired from the organization and him and Robin are living in Brenda's cottage. Which is still in Port Charles. It is. They just not in the penthouse anymore. And then there's more talk of um, everything being AJ's fault and that he was jealous of Jason. I don't know how AJ didn't punch him in the face like all the time. Because every time that he got into mm-hmm. one of his little fits, he talked crap on AJ. All right. And then there's more arguing. So Monica goes to see Jason and then Alan shows up with a plant and they tell him to leave. So they go home and then Monica and him have a huge fight where he points out the fact that Monica is not Jason's real mother, which again, if I was Monica, I would have punched him in the face Mm -hmm. because she raised that boy. So give me a break. He walks out and AJ enters and him and Monica discuss Alan's odd behavior and AJ wonders if Alan's using again. Really? They get into that. Like, come on. And then in October, Alan is caught by Amy when he is sneaking into his old office at the hospital. He tells her that he is in the process of reclaiming his position as chief of staff. Alan asks her to bring him minutes from the last few board meetings. And after Amy leaves, Alan calls the supplier and arranges to buy more drugs. AJ arrives as Alan is telling the dealer to call him back in just 10 minutes. Amy arrives in Alan slash Monica's office with the reports that Alan requested as Amy chatters on the on the phone rings, Alan rudely dismisses Amy and answers the call. It's his dealer calling to arrange for the meeting. AJ overhears Alan arranging to buy and surprises Alan as he leaves the office. Alan asks why AJ is there. AJ replies that he had an AA meeting and then invites Alan to a cup of coffee. Alan says that he had a previous engagement with someone from AA who needs help, a fellow doctor, and that he will see AJ at home. After Alan leaves, AJ goes into his office and gets the number of Alan's dealer from the caller ID display, which was, again, a new technology. And it was mentioned, it was kind of like hinted (laughs) at that like it was a newer technology. And then back at the Quartermain Mansion, Edward, Ned, Lila, Alan, and Monica are discussing the positive influence that Robin has had on Jason. Uh, Lila notices that Alan is being quiet and asks if he's okay. Alan says he's fine and that he was just reading his pamphlet from Narcotics Anonymous. Monica asks Alan how he feels about Jason's new lifestyle. And Alan replies that one thing that he's learned from N.A. is that every man has to find his own way in his own time. And Ned sarcastically comments that there is a piece of wisdom. Alan says that he learned more than one thing to ignore smug, self-satisfied know-it-alls. And then he excuses himself to go to a meeting. After Alan leaves the room, Edward comments that he thinks Alan was more coherent when he was stoned. (laughs) Edward is concocting another scheme to get Michael and all that stuff. And then AJ answers the phone and speaks with Robin, who tells him that Jason is concerned that Alan is still using drugs. 
AJ says that he will come to the garage right away to discuss it. The Quartermains watch AJ suspiciously as he hurries from the room. Later on, AJ tells the Quartermains to all, they all grab their coats and umbrellas and join him for a field trip to Cortland Street. The Quartermains ask why, and AJ explains that it looks like Alan is still on drugs and that they need to go confront him. Meanwhile, Alan is in his drug den when Tammy arrives. He tells her to make herself comfortable. Tammy tells Alan that she's a little uncomfortable since, you know, he almost died last time. Alan says it was just a little mix-up in medication, and Tammy reluctantly joins him on the bed, saying that she had a bad feeling about this. Alan explains... Okay, yes. Okay, I'm sorry. This was probably one of my most favorite... I mean, it's... I hate having a favorite part of the storyline, but watching this, I was just like, oh, (laughs) and you'll know why in a second. So AJ explains that the drug den is where he picked up Alan after he was mugged, as well as where Taggart picked him up with Jason's gun. And that this is where Alan comes to score his pills. And Monica and Edward are still convinced that Edward is, that Alan is in recovery, but Ned and AJ are like, no, he's totally still using. And then someone walks by and Edward shows him a picture of Alan and asks if he has seen him. Alan and Tammy are being playful. So Tammy asks if he's still taking those pills. And he explains that Tammy is part of his road to recovery and that he's been able to slowly reduce his pill intake. And soon he won't need them anymore. They start to dance and then they kiss. Tammy is tentative with Alan, but he reassures her that his heart and the rest of him are just fine. And they kiss some more. The Quartermains try to bribe the person that they saw on the street about that they were asking about Alan. And he says, yes, he does remember him. And now he lives at the apartment upstairs and they think he's crazy. But AJ's like, you know what? We should at least go check it out. So the Quartermains go up to the apartment and they're arguing about what to do next. Ned and AJ think it's time to find out the truth. And inside Tammy and Alan are ready to finish their conversation. (laughs) When they hear the noises on the other side of the door call out room service and Alan seems to recognize the voice, but is too swept up in the moment to care. Then he hears AJ's voice calling, dad, are you in there? Alan shoots right up out of bed as any parent who has ever been interrupted by their child does. (laughs) No matter the age, I guess, right? (laughs) Alan is freaked out and Tammy wonders what's going on. And they both hear Monica's voice. Edward's telling Reginald to break down the door. Then AJ and Ned both try. Tammy opens the door and she's just in a towel. They walk right into the apartment and they cannot find Alan because he is out on the fire escape. The curtains are drawn and they're like questioning Tammy. They're like, well, have you seen this guy? You know, we've been told that he lives here, this, that, and the other thing. And then suddenly you just hear, yoo Alan! <laughs> And Alan turns around and Lila is still in the car. And she's like, Alan, it's mother. You know, like she's like, hi. And he's like, mom, shh, shh. like sip it, you know? And he just, he cannot get over this. And she's acting. I think she couldn't hear him. And oh, he's like telling hysterical. her to shh. So she grabs her umbrella and starts laying on the horn. <laughs> <laughs> so the Quartermains all hear the horn and they're like, wait, it's Lila. Which 
I'm sorry. Why didn't Reginald stay with Lila? I'm not saying that right, but you, but you had enough people at that point. Exactly. You're supposed to be in the shady neighborhood. Right. You're not going to leave this old woman in the car by herself yep. while all of you go inside. Yep. And during all this time, AJ had actually found a prescription for hydrocodone and was convinced, obviously, that they were Allen's. Edward shows Allen's picture to Tammy. And this is when, you know, that scene with Allen and Mona or Lila and so they hear the honking. They're afraid that Lila's in danger. So Edward goes over to the window to see what is wrong. And of course, there is Alan. And they are all shocked, especially Monica. Monica wants to know if Alan is a regular customer of Tammy's. And she won't tell. Ned tells Tammy that her ethics are unassailable, especially compared to Alan. He attempts to buy her silence. Edward realizes that Tammy recognizes him and Ned gives Tammy money, but she won't take it. She tells Roy to take care of himself. Then Alan finally admits that he has a problem and he needs help. Ned tells him that he's on his own. Alan welcomes him to the bottom. And Alan tries to appeal to Monica, who wants to know why he did this. Was it to get back at her for the affair with Dorman? For isolating herself during her illness? She decides that she doesn't want to know because she doesn't care anymore. Edward's parting words are that Alan has lost both his home and his daughter, and Alan is left on the bed in shock. So, you know, back at the Quartermain Mansion, they actually do wind up breaking it to Emily that Alan was not in recovery. Edward interrupts and tells her that AJ is being, began to suspect that Alan was still on drugs and that discovered he was going to the bad part of town. They tell her that they caught him trying to sneak out of a window. So it was finally just like time that they had to really come honest with Emily about all the things that, again, AJ was the one, pretty much the only one really suspecting, I guess maybe Ned had also a little bit, but they explained how he had been leading a double life and then he was not no longer going to be living in the mansion. And Alan actually came to the house and was pounding on like the, the doors that lead into the den that we always see them in. Mm -hmm. Do we still have those doors now that they rearranged that room? Yes. Okay. Um, Edward tells Emily that she'll find out when Alan does and instructs Reginald to let him in. Oh, Emily had asked what they're going to do now. And Alan tells everyone that he stayed away last night to give everyone a chance to cool down. He tries to cover what's going on, but Emily tells him that she knows. And Alan is shocked that they told her. But Edward defends the decision and accuses Alan of having made Lila physically ill. Aww. Emily is appalled that Lila saw the drug den. Alan then tries to cover up what he was really doing there. He says that he was there to dry out and that that woman was helping him. When they point out that she was only wearing a sheet, a shocked Emily asked if he had been cheating on her mom. Monica asks for a few minutes alone and tells Edward that he better get Lila. Lila has Reggie bring her to see Alan. She tells Alan to look at her and he tells her that he never set out to hurt or deceive anyone in the family. And he tells her that he tried to quit. Lila reminds him that he is in denial and it is time to stop hurting the people that he love, loves. The rest of the family enters. Edward tells Alan that he's officially and legally disinherited. His assets are frozen and he is not allowed on the property or he will be arrested. They have packed a bag for him and he is no longer a quartermain. They wish him well and say goodbye. Alan says that he can't do this, but it's already been done. Alan packs up the bag and leaves. AJ comforts Monica and a stunned Alan sits on the patio. 
Monica winds up being alone in the living room and she starts reflecting on everything that just basically happened. AJ came in asking if she was okay. He reminds her that she did the right thing. No matter how hard it seems, Alan will not be able to sustain a secret life now that he has been cut off from the family. In the meantime, she has to stay strong. Edward comes in and comments that he understands that Monica is upset because Alan is her husband, but that AJ should be worrying about the business. He's looking for stock information that he requested. At one point, Monica, I think, yelled at Edward for being like, you don't even really care about your son. And he's like, that's all that I care about. He's like, just this has to keep me busy. Um, so then Tony comes to Monica and is basically asking again for her support to get his job back at General Hospital. He reminds her again that he did not turn in Alan. And Monica says that he would have to do something very desperate for her to even notice. And Tony says that he hasn't even told her about the second time that Alan was brought into the clinic. So basically, like, Tony just really, really, really wants his job back and is holding all this Alan stuff over her head. Poor Monica. Right. She I mean, people coming at her from all sides yeah. trying to use her for their own motives. And then we see Alan. Uh, he's opening one of several bottles. He looks worse than ever. Tammy did come over and tried to bring him some food. Alan was complaining to Tammy about forgiving Monica over and over, including the sexual harassment suit. Alan's angry with all the things that she's done. And now that Monica threw him out of the house, like he gave her. Alan goes on complaining that the whole family blames him for everything. Tammy wants to know if he started to look for work. Alan is sure that since he's a doctor, it'll be easy. And Tammy apologizes, but tells him that he looks a little frayed and around the edges to be healing anyone. Alan thinks that the clinic where Tony works would be thrilled to have him since since they've taken in a kidnapper. Alan is upset and starts raving that his distributor is late and uncomfortable. Tammy starts to leave when Alan asks, asks if she could pick up something for him. Tammy is amazed that Alan is asking her to go pick up his drugs. She won't do it for anyone at, a price, at any price. Alan is worried there aren't any friends any, that they aren't friends anymore. Tammy assures him that she's been insulted worse today even. Alan offers to make her something to eat, but she tells him that he has to leave. He gets on the phone, starts yelling at his dealer that he's been waiting all day. Outside, Monica approaches Tammy and tells her that she needs to talk to her. She just wants to know how he is. Tammy's shocked that that's all that she wants to know. And she's like, listen, I've dealt with a lot of wives before, you know, and Monica stops her and she's like, nope, I just need to know if he's okay. And Tammy tells her that Alan is bad. And Monica's concerned that Alan is not equipped to deal with the life that he's chosen and asks Tammy to look after him, handing over a lot of bills. Tammy explains that someone needs to be, that sometimes someone needs to bottom out. Monica says that she knows, but she still loves him and cares for him. Tammy takes the money and Monica shakes her hand and says, thanks. Alan takes his pills and holds them close to his heart while down on the street, Monica looks around and then leaves. And then basically we just see Alan go back into his downward spiral. At one point he um, sneaks into the Quartermain mansion and starts looking for items to hawk so that he can have cash so that he can purchase his drugs. So then Alan does eventually meet with his dealer and Alan tells him that he will not be seeing him anymore after he gets his 75 pills so that he can gradually detoxify himself. The dealer won't sell him anything without receiving some cash, which Alan doesn't have. And he suggests that Alan go pawn something else. 
Alan goes on about how unfair it is that they give you so little for the item and that after buying food and paying rent, you have nothing left. It's like Alan is finally getting like a real world mm -hmm. lesson. Alan is looking through his pockets and mumbles to himself that next month he'll be back home and he'll get out of Hawk before Monica knows because he actually wound up stealing one of Monica's bracelets. He walks over to the bar and gets a bag of chips and thinks of what to do next. Emily is down there looking for him and she winds up getting accosted by two guys outside and Alan stops that from happening. It was such a heartbreaking thing to watch because he's strung out and she's pleading with him, like, please get help. Please get help. And he's like, does Monica still give you an allowance? Wow. You know, she should be giving you $50. So this is the second kid that he's trying to get money off of because he wanted AJ's cash. Yes, she actually does. She gives him the allowance and left crying. Alan tells his dealer that he has, that this is the last money he'll ever see from him again. The dealer has brought him a can of tuna in case he starts whining about starvation again. And Alan takes a pill. So then in November, Alan has cleaned himself up and dressed in a suit. Tammy arrives with a bag full of groceries. Alan asks her how he looks, and she asks what's the occasion. Alan tells her that he's going to try to find a job. Tammy wishes him luck, and he thanks her for everything. And we should point out, this is, he cleaned himself up in a physical sense. Right. He was not clean. No. Mm -mm. He's still weaning himself off. Like, yes. As he's claiming. So then Alan visits Tony at the clinic. He tells him that he has something he would like to discuss. Tony sarcastically says that Alan is standing, so it can't be a cardiac arrest. And he isn't shaking, so he must not need a prescription. He asks what Alan wants, and Alan says a job. Tony asks what kind of job. Alan says that he still has his medical license, and Tony laughs and asks if he's joking or if he's so stoned that he doesn't know what he's doing anymore. Alan says that his life is in ruins and he needs to re try to rebuild it. Tony points to the door and lets him know not to leave his resume on the way out. Alan says that all he needs is someone to believe in him. Tony tells him that those are the exact same words he used when he begged Alan not to fire him from GH. He tells Alan to go self-destruct somewhere else. The clinic deserves better. Tammy comes to Alan's room to celebrate his new job. When she finds out that Tony turned Alan down, she tells him to save the cider for later and not use this as an excuse to pop pills. As she leaves for a date, air quotes, Monica arrives. Alan asks why she is there. She says that she was going there about Emily and that she just thought Alan should know what was going on. She explains the whole sordid affair with the blackmailer and points out that Emily was too afraid to come to her family because she didn't want to upset them further after everything that was going on with Alan. And this is when Emily's, something had happened in Emily's modeling career that she was. Somehow there was inappropriate pictures. Yes. Yeah. Alan wants to see Emily, but Monica refuses. He chose the addiction over his daughter and she will not let him show some hypocritical concern, hypocritical concern for her now. She tells him to think about that next time he pops a pill. She tells him that until he is clean and sober, she really doesn't want to have anything to do with him. After she leaves, Alan sits on the bed and picks up a pill bottle. As Alan angrily shoves the pill bottle into the drawer, Tony arrives at his apartment. Tony tells him that if he's still interested in working at the clinic, he can start tomorrow. Alan asks what changed his mind, and Tony explains that he has asked for second chances before, and it would be hypocritical of him not to give Alan one. They drink cider in celebration. Tony tells Monica that he gave Alan the job at the clinic because everyone deserves a second chance. Monica is shocked that Tony offered a job in a medical facility to a drug addict. 
Tony points out that Alan's responsibilities and patient contact will be limited. Tony sensed a desperate man when Alan came to see him. Monica can't help wondering what's in it for Tony. Tony says he made no secret of his wish to be reinstated at GH, and Monica can't fault him for trying to rehabilitate himself. In fact, Stefan Castadine said that he would support Tony if Monica agreed. Monica asks why she would ever agree. Tony replies that he is going to prove to her that he is still a good doctor by curing the sickest man he knows, Alan. Ouch. That's not a nice sentence. That's not a nice thing to say to, to Alan's wife. Monica tells Tony that as much as it pains her to say it, she thinks he is dreaming if he thinks he can pull Alan out of the gutter. She couldn't do it, and neither could the combined efforts of the Quartermain family. However, if Tony and Alan do manage to demonstrate some sort of miraculous turnaround, any fair person would have to reevaluate them. She reminds him that this is not a promise. Alan's on the phone to his dealer saying that he started a new job and he needs a little pick-me-up because mm -hmm. if you get a new job, why wouldn't you ask for different pills? And then Alan has a visitor from his friendly dealer while Felicia looks on because they were living in apartments across from each other. Felicia was doing some storyline for something mm -hmm. and so she needed to live in the seedy neighborhood and they just happened to end up across from each other. Yep. So as soon as the dealer leaves, Felicia knocks on Alan's door and confronts him about the dealer visiting him. She offers Alan help, anything, even if he comes to her when he needs to take a pill and she will help talk him through it. Alan tells her that's very sweet of her, but it doesn't work that way. As Felicia leaves, she asks Alan if she can meet the drug dealer. She explains that as a writer, she needs to know what she's writing about, and that's why she needs to be able to talk to these types of people. Alan's not very comfortable about it, but he calls his dealer, he calls his dealer a dangerous man, even a parasite. He even goes as far as saying that this guy ruined him. Feeding his addiction, Felicia reassures him, and Alan gives in. He admits to Felicia that he doesn't feel good about letting Felicia meet with the dealer, but it sure does feel good to be helping someone else again. So Alan arranges for her to meet the dealer, but tells her she needs to act like she's already an addict, so it makes sense of why she wants to meet up with the dealer. And that he warns her that the dealer is very well connected, and if he found out that Felicia was married to the police commissioner, who knows what could happen. Felicia heads back to Cortland Street to meet Alan and his dealer. He introduces her as Fern, but can't introduce the dealer because he doesn't know his name. Felicia reminds Alan that he should be at work. Alan's a little weary about leaving Felicia alone with the guy, but he does. Felicia tells the dealer that she's a party girl and that her husband isn't. She wants to make some new friends to party with and was hoping that he could introduce her around. The dealer isn't buying it, so he gets up to leave, but before doing so, he gives her his pager number. The dealer leaves, goes to the docks where he meets up with Marino and he tells him about Felicia and that he recognized her as the police commissioner's wife. Marino is delighted with this new information. Did Marino really think that Felicia was doing drugs? Because I don't think so. You never know. I mean, it's, you never know. Okay. We see it in the news all the time. I guess that's true, but I, I guess it goes on to tell you why he's delighted. But if he really thought for a minute that she was actually on drugs, that's insane. So in December, Marino made a deal with Alan's drug dealer to put Felicia in a potentially compromising position to get back at Mac. Felicia was surprised when Alan's dealer showed up for a visit, just a friendly social call to welcome her to the new neighborhood. They shared some drinks and had small talk. Felicia turned around to give the dealer a refill and he spiked her drink with some sort of drug. He gave her a pill called Rush as a welcome gift to the neighborhood. Felicia pretended to take the pill, washing it down with a drink she did not know was spiked. Mm. Felicia is partying with the, with the dealer 
And we're not going to get too much into this, but basically she gets stoned and goes over to Alan and is like, listen, I need your help because so this, the dealer had drugged her and then he wanted to go out. And she's like, no, I really want to stay here. And he's like, no, 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 let's go out. And so she's like, okay. Well, as they go out into the hallway, Alan is there and she's like, here, come on, come with us, whatever. Somehow Alan's like, I just want to stay here. And she convinces the drug dealer that she wants, she won't go anywhere unless Alan goes with her. He's like, all right, see ya. And so Alan sits with her as she starts to kind of go through it. But then she's like, but I just want to go home. The girls are there. And part of me, I'm just like, I'm sorry. What? Right. Like, stay, stay in the CD motel with Alan. Right. Who, even though he is also stoned, is still a doctor. And you can trust him instead of going home where your kids are because they don't need to see you like that. Right. So then they wind up doing, like, another setup. And somehow the drug dealer mistaking, mistakens Tammy for Felicia. Okay. And... They get, Marina wants the drug dealer to strip Felicia, tie her to a bed and rape her. And then they will take pictures and then they will use those pictures to blackmail Mac. Well, Felicia and Tammy, like, I guess they kind of became friends, mm -hmm. whatever. And, you know, they started talking about Alan, about how, you know, it's really sad how far gone he's gone. And then suddenly the drug dealer had showed up thinking, I don't know if it was actually the drug. No, it was the drug dealer. The drug dealer showed up partied with Tammy. Alan arrives at Felicia's room and is horrified because he found Tammy. She had been beaten up mm -hmm. and she was in bed unconscious with the drug dealer who wound up being dead. So Alan is trying to wake up Tammy who is still unresponsive. And he thinks that Tammy killed the drug dealer. And, you know, he's kind of upset about this whole turn of events. He asks her to try to help him. How the dead guy get into bed with her? He asks if Felicia was there when it happened. Tammy still isn't responding. He tells Tammy not to worry. He's going to take care of everything. Of course. Famous As Alan words. tries to decide what to do with the dead drug dealer, Taggart arrives and he tells Alan that he hopes he has a good explanation. And then Felicia had told everything to Mac about, she promises that Alan was definitely not responsible, but obviously Mac is a little bit skeptical since Alan was caught dragging the body down the hall. <laughs> Felicia explains that he was just trying to protect Tammy from murder or being suspected as a murderer. Mac is not reassured that Tammy was in bed with the dealer at the time because she was mistaken for Felicia. And he told her that something like this was going to happen. And Mac, Felicia confesses to Mac that she was drugged by Alan's dealer. And of course, he's a little bit more upset about that, too. So then Monica goes to post bail for Alan, but Edward tries to stop her. Oh, yeah, because Alan got arrested for, you know, moving a dead body. A potential murder. Edward thinks that Alan should stay in jail where they can control him and keep him off of the drugs. AJ agrees that and Alan will go right back to the pills as soon as he gets the chance. AJ calls, wants to call the rehab clinic to find out if there's an opening. He thinks that Monica should wait to bail Alan out until then. Monica is totally exasperated with both of them and says they will do anything, tells them to do anything they want. She's going to bring her husband home. Alan is talking to Mac in the interrogation room. Mac wants to know who else was involved. Taggart caught Alan dragging the dead dealer down the hall and Mac asks where he found him. He says that he doesn't want to see Alan take a fall for a crime he didn't commit. And it doesn't take a genius to connect the dots between Marino and the dead drug dealer. Alan says that he doesn't know anything about Marino. He admits that he didn't murder the drug dealer and asks if he can leave. Mac explains that Marino is the one who tried to murder Jason and Robin. That's the car bombing mm. from a while back. Mm -hmm. Alan says that he said everything that he wants to say. 
Mac tells Ellen that Marino has an agenda against, has an agenda and Jason may be next. Ellen says that Mac is badgering and just, he just wants to get out of there. Ellen's ecstatic to see that Monica and ask to see Monica and asks if she's going to bail him out. Monica says that bail has been paid and she just wants to get him home where he belongs. And he tells her that he can't go home. And he says that he isn't in recovery. The only reason he hasn't been using is because he's been in lockup and he had been having um, like bad dreams mm -hmm. while he was in jail. And he tells Monica that if he's going to get out of this and he swears that he wants to, he needs to do it on his own and by himself. Monica offers to stay with him, but Alan says no, he needs to do it for him and not because of Monica. It has to be his choice. He begs Monica to understand, and Monica says that it is such a helpless feeling that she can't help him. Alan says the only person who can help him is him. He begs her not to fight against him, and if she does, he will agree to fight her back, and he doesn't have much energy left. Monica agrees not to fight him, but tells him to do that he has to do something. Alan says that he has to want it and to know what the next step is. Going back home is certain. Monica agrees to call the Port Charles Hotel and reserve a room for him. And tears she gives him money for cab fare and food or whatever he wants. Mm. Uh-huh. She understands that he has to go it alone. Alan thanks her and starts to cry. He apologizes and says that he really is going to try to get better and find his way back to Monica and Emily. Monica tells him that she loves him and turns to leave. As she goes, Alan tells her that he loves her too. Out on bail, he made his way back to Cortland Street and to another drug dealer. The dealer comments that he's glad Alan remembered his number, but isn't so sure that it's a good thing considering what happened to his other associate. Alan pays for the pills and the dealer leaves him alone. He sits on the bench and begins to cry. Alan is absolutely devastated that he promptly returned to drugs upon making bail. He goes to visit Tony at the clinic and he hands the bottle to Tony and asks for his help. He said he thought being in jail for three days would have helped him resist, but it didn't. He has the shake so bad that he would do anything to stop them, and he begs Tony for help. Tony says that Al if Alan is really serious, there is an experimental treatment. He would put Alan under anesthesia and administer the treatment. It takes away the cravings, but Tony insists that Alan has to promise to enter a treatment program. If Alan doesn't do the follow-up, Tony doesn't want him to come back begging for help again. Alan enthusiastically agrees and asks if they can start right now. Tony calls Monica to let her know that Alan is there. And when Alan turned over that pill bottle, he actually, he was like, seriously, count them. You know, like I did not take a single one. She arrives at the clinic and thanks him for notifying her and not turning Alan away. Tony says that he is a doctor and he doesn't turn people away who are really, who really need help. Monica sits down next to Alan, who is in bed and unconscious. She tells him that it's amazing what love can endure. She tells, she believes he still loves her. She knows that she still loves him in spite of everything. She only now realizes how close she came to losing him. She misses him holding her in the middle of the night. She misses the passion and she would give anything for one of their fights, but with him there, not someplace that she can't reach. She asks him to please come back to her. And so Tony explains that the treatment, it's going to put a strain on his vital organs. And basically it's like a really hardcore detox. So he's under anesthesia and he's very quickly detoxing the body okay. somehow with charcoal mm -hmm. and that you know the prolonged use of narcotics ruins your health monica is frustrated and says that being a doctor does not prepare you for being a patient's wife tony agrees with her assures her that she is doing fine and leaves her alone with alan alan tells Mo monica tells alan to come back to her he's been gone too long she wakes up in the middle of the night and he isn't there he has to come back to her and Monica wakes up groggily and says her name. And then back at the station, like there's all this stuff going on. And 
basically Felicia is like, Alan didn't do it. So then we're back at the clinic and Alan wakes up. He's surprised to see Monica by his bed because remember, he did not call her. He is thrilled to hear from Tony that he has successfully completed the detox process. Tony explained that the process flushed the drugs out of his system in a little under eight hours. Yikes. Monica is so proud of Alan for taking the first steps. Alan says that after three days in jail, he was willing to try anything. Tony cautions Alan that the rapid detox only took away the physical craving and that Alan still has to deal with his addiction. He needs a good recovery program. Monica assures Tony that she will be there every step of the way and asks Alan when he can leave. Tony or asks when Alan can leave and Tony says anytime. Alan wants to leave but still refuses to go back home with Monica. He says that he's not ready yet. He's dressed and ready to leave the hospital. He tells Monica that his withdrawal pain is gone and he is clean for the moment, but his addiction is not cured. It's just hiding. He has to go find it and kill it. He can't go home to all the doubt and disapproval. Monica insists that she wants to help. Alan assures her that she already has been by being there whenever he woke up. And that was more than enough reward for starting a new life. He has such a long journey ahead and she can't help him get there. Alan asks her to continue to pay for the room at the Port Charles Hotel. Monica offers him money, but Alan says no. The money she gave him yesterday, he had already spent on pills. He didn't take any, but he can't risk the little progress he's made by doing too much too soon. And if he slips again, he will be hooked for the rest of his life. And Tony, you know, comes to discharge him, offers a anti-anxiety patch, but Alan declines the offer. He needs to learn to go through his life without going to a medicine cabinet. And Monica is in tears as she watch, watches Alan leave. And Tony reminds Monica that he has known her and Alan a very long time. And there's been a lot of obstacles in the way he sees it. They haven't lost whatever it is that binds them together as a couple. And he thinks that they're going to be totally fine. Monica shows up later on with a check for Alan's treatment and an additional donation to the clinic. And, you know, Tony's very thankful. Alan is at the Port Charles Hotel and makes a call and tells the person on the other end of the line that he needs a little help to get through something. And it was Tammy arrived at Alan's hotel room. She tells Alan that she told Mac everything about what really happened with the drug dealer. Alan says that he has bigger problems and talks about his rapid detox and tells Tammy that he just went through it. And then he's just really scared that he's going to slip, but he knows that Tammy's been through it and asks her to stay with him for a little while. So nothing, no hanky panky, just needed somebody there that had already been through it. And days later, practically everyone has already left the outback when Alan comes in and apologizes to Mac for how he treated him at the police department. Oh yeah. Cause he got like real uh, loud with, mm -hmm. with Mac, I guess would be one way to say it. And Mac told Alan that the murder charges against him had been dropped and to keep out of trouble in the city. And Alan thanks him and leaves. And in the meantime, Monica had gone back to Tony and he, she had gotten a letter of recommendation signed by Stefan for Tony to get his job back. Yay, Tony. And then on Christmas, uh, Monica asks Alan to read a Christmas story at the hospital and Lila is delighted and says that the story is about hope coming into their lives. And she tells Alan not just to read it, but also to abide by it. And we end 1998 with Alan reading the Christmas story. And as the children all rush to go get their gifts, Alan looks at Monica with a smile and mouths the words, Merry Christmas. Aww. I loved when he read the story. And that is part two of Alan's drug addiction. And at first I was kind of like, seriously, they're going to have him do this rapid detox thing. And of course, that way they can just hurry up and move on. But it is an actual treatment. Yes. So that was 
realistic. Yes. And that storyline earned Mr. Stuart Damon an Emmy in 1999 for his work in 1998. And during his acceptance speech, he's like, you know, I always thought if I was going to get an award, it would be for the theater or something like that. He's like, nope. Instead, I am the oldest, fattest, ugliest. <laughs> like, it, it was a really good speech. So you have to go to the very end. And he wasn't. But I mean, he definitely he got down and dirty in this role. He did. He did. There was a couple of times as I was watching the old videos that Ryan walked in and he was like, well, wow, he looks awful. And I was like, well, he's supposed, supposed to be on drugs. So they made him look right the right way. But. That is it for 1998, Ellen Quartermain. 1998, we were just babies. We were. I was having a baby. Oh, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, yeah. All right. So join us on Monday as we recap this week's shows. Have a good weekend. And we'll meet you at the pier. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's show, we invite you to go to pier54podcast.com to subscribe on your favorite platform. Don't forget to leave us a review. And you can also follow us on many social media channels. Just search for Pure 54 Podcast. Also, we are not perfect. So if there is something that we missed or messed up, just let us know by emailing us at peer54podcast at gmail.com. 